God this morning. Father, we thank you today for what you've already done in this place. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that shook us on this morning and allowed our feet to hit the floor, allowed us to realize that we need to be in the house of God on today, in this house, to give you glory, to magnify your name, to send up worship and praise unto you that prayerfully is a sweet-smelling Savior. And Father, you come to give us instruction. You come to help us strengthen our walk in this life. For we understand that you called us out of darkness into the marvelous light. You called us, God, to serve you and to be examples in the earth, to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. So, Father, we thank you on today. And, God, I pray that your word declares the entrance of your word giveth light. And, Father, we, your people, need light on today. God, we need light to illuminate our path. God, that we may be able to travel this life and live out your word. God, to live based upon who you have called us to be. We heard it in the song this morning. And, Father, we just pray, God, that David may decrease, that you may increase. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. I, though I've studied, I realize that I'm nothing compared to the Holy Spirit. So I yield my members unto you. And yield my mind, my mouth, my thoughts unto you on today that you would have your way because you know what your people need better than I do. So feed us. Feed us fresh manna from on heaven. So we thank you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look at somebody say, I'm glad to see you on today. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. We thank God again for each and every one that is in the house of God on today. You could, okay. Amen. And we thank God for our guests that are in the house of God on today. Amen. Come on and give it up for our guests. Amen. We're going to get this all of our guests. Amen. Come on and give them a hand clap one more time. Last week, we began a series entitled Fooling Around. Fooling Around. And we said that the goal of this series is to help us encourage us to really search every facet of our relationship because there are probably about four areas that God wants us to make sure that our relationships are strong in. And we talked about the fact that of the framework of freedom, the mark of devotion, the proof of protection, and the wisdom that is made to last. So those are, you know, that's how we want our relationships to be built on. We don't want them to be built on bondage, but we want them to be built on freedom. We don't want them to be built on, you know, unfaithfulness, but we want them to be built on devotion. People that are devoted to us, and we want to be devoted to them. Because that's what a true relationship is all about. Relationship is about protection. You know, you want to be protected when you're connected with somebody in multiple relationships, multiple facets of relationship. And then you want the wisdom 
that lasts forever. When you connect with that person, you want them to be able to flow wisdom into your life that is ultimately going to change your life. Amen. So last week we talked about freedom. We talked about freedom or fake. Uh, and this week I want to talk to you from the subject devotion or divorce. Devotion or, or divorce. Again, this series is about relationships. And as we deal with this, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the marital relationship. We're going to talk about the parent. Next week, we're going to look at the parent's relationship with a child. That As parents, we have a great responsibility to raise up our children in the way that they should go, that when they get old, they will not depart. We, we have a, a, a great responsibility of depositing something in them. And then we're going to talk about singles. We're going to talk about singles and how they should live and, you know, what God has purpose and plan for their lives. So this morning, we're going to look at this devotion or divorce. And I don't know, but I don't know if anybody's in here ever heard the story of Pelesi. Pelesi. Anybody ever heard that story and seen the hands? No, nobody. That's good. Amen. Amen. Well, let me tell you this story. You can go back and YouTube it. But pay less. We all know pay less. Pay less, you know, where you pay less for shoes. Yeah, pay less. They came up with this idea of um, really wanting to show people the value of things. They came up with this demonstration on how easy it is to fool or be fooled by the outer appearance. So what Payless did in Los Angeles, they, they decided to have this one day where they would uh, open this store. And the store was named, or they named it Palesi. Palesi. Sounds, sounds kind of expensive, doesn't it? And that's the idea. And they took their uh, Payless shoes and they stopped the store. And they put large prices on these pay less shoes. I mean, $20 shoes and $40 shoes, they would price some $600. And as designers would come in and people of influence would come in, they, they, they talked about how expensive these shoes looked. They talked about how they were made and how they would pay Five, six hundred dollars for these shoes. I mean, this was about 1,800 percent uh, markup on these shoes. But people were buying them. They were buying them in groves. And as they bought them, before they could get out of the store, they caught them and they told them uh, really the story of these shoes. That these are not expensive shoes, as you suppose, but these are payless shoes. And these people were amazed at the fact that they had been so gullible that they had purchased these $20 and $40 shoes for some five and $600. But they were trying to point out that people often get caught up in the outer appearance and are so easily fooled. And see, this is what God does not want for his people. He does not want us to be easily fooled and easily hoodwinked and bamboozled. No, God wants us to know the value of things. Anybody want to know the value of a thing? 
So last week, we kind of opened and we examined God's word as it relates to relationships. We, look at, we looked at Genesis 2, that's where we planted at, and we saw where God had fashioned a, fashioned a woman so that neither, or fashioned a man, fashioned a woman, created a man, and he did that so that neither of them would be alone. I mean, that's what Genesis 2 and 23 and 25 tells us. It says, the man said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And it says, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no, not ashamed or felt no shame. So this was the original design, we said, of, of marriage. This was the original design that God had created from the foundation of, world, of the world. This was the model of sexuality. This was the original marriage masterpiece. And we said this matters. It matters how we perceive a thing. And it matters that we start from the genesis, from the beginning, from the origination by which God created a thing because it helps us to uh, really point out the, the fakes of things. It helps us really not to be fooled by the knockoffs that life presents before our very eyes. It helps us to, to, to in, in everything else that we hear and everything else that we see and everywhere else uh, that offers relationships in any other form, understand we recognize that it's not what God intended it to be. Yeah, and that's important because I don't know about you, but I want to live the life that God intended me to live. I want to lay hold to what God has intended me to lay hold of. So those forgeries and those knockoffs, understand, are trying to fool us into settling for less in marriages, settling for less in our homes, and for divisive, divorce destined families. So if you don't know the truth, we're so easily hoodwink and bamboozled and we fall into the fakes and the negativeness of things. Because I mentioned that God wants us to have strong relationships. He wants us to have lasting relationships. He wants us, understand, to not be uh, gullible to what the culture presents is true. Yeah, because how many know that what the culture presents does not necessarily mean that it's true and that it means it's from God? Yeah, so that's what God wants. So maybe there's someone in here like me uh, that is a child of divorce. Or maybe there's somebody in here that has gone through a divorce. You know better than anybody else uh, the pain and the, the damaging results and the destructive marks that divorce can leave. Yeah, yeah. But what about God? What does God say about divorce? Because it's critical that we know what our master says. We know what the one that created us says because it's going to uh, be lasting when we deal with the difficulties of life. 
Yeah, I need to know what God says because I understand that Job tells us that man is born but a few days and full of trouble. So we're going to have some issues in life and it's critical to know the truth. Yeah, it's critical to know the truth. So what does God say about it? Yeah, is it okay? And if so, what are the marks we can look for to see the faults and flaws of a marriage falling apart? Yeah, singles, I'm, I'm going to deal with you too, <laughs> but let's, let's, let's look at this this morning. In, in the Old Testament, a prophet by the name of Malachi records some of God's last words as he exits, as God exits, and uh, Jesus shows up some 400 years later. We see Malachi recording the last words of God. And this is critical because I told you that anytime you're leaving and you're leaving words, it's critical that you know those words, that you understand those words. If you were leaving your family and you were going on vacation and you wanted to deposit something in them, that, that the last words that they heard are critical. So the last words that God leaves us about marriage, about relationships, here we find in Malachi. Yeah, here we have the prophet talking. And in this message from God, understand, he makes a pretty clear, makes it pretty clear just how God feels about divorce. Uh, but look at how Malachi describes the condition of the people starting in verse 13. He says, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hand. And you ask, why? Why? Why is the Lord not receiving uh, uh, my, my worship? Why is he uh, uh, not uh, favoring my offering? Malachi gives them a response. He says, it is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth says, you have been unfaithful to her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Come here quickly. The first thing that we can see is that God is watching. Yeah, he's observing our relationships. Uh, specifically here, he's talking about the marriage relationship. God is watching every relationship that we have. And that's why it's critical that we walk in cadence with God in those relationships because he's watching. See, it's one thing to not have your parents around. It's another thing uh, not to have the preacher around. Yeah, but God is everywhere. <laughs> and God is watching everything. Yeah, he's an omniscient God, an omnipresent God. Everywhere you go, understand. And that's what I like about God because he's not boxed into one place. He's not boxed into one city. He's not boxed into one house. But he can be in your house and my house at the same time. Ah, uh, yeah, he, he's watching, he's observing, and here God's people are sad and broken and wonder why they are not experiencing God's favor and presence in their worship and in their homes and in their lives. And they ask God, why God? Uh, have you ever asked God why? 
Mm. Have you ever asked God, why am I having to deal with this situation? Why is uh, uh, this situation such a wreck? Why is my marriage uh, such a disaster? Why is my home such a, a, a war ground? Why is this happening to me? Hmm. Malachi quickly gives them God's reply. Yeah, I think it's critical that we understand that this is God's reply. Not Malachi, not the man of God, but this is God's reply. I mean, he tells them that you're not being faithful. And he says, first, you're not being faithful to your wife. And then come here, he says, and you're not being faithful to me. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you have surrounded, surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, are you being faithful to him? Yeah. Are you being faithful to him? Have you fully surrendered to him and his ways? Husbands and wives. I mean, if you're a Christian, are you being faithful to each other? And have you fully surrendered to one another? Hmm. I mean, do you feel like there's a difference in that question? Uh, he says, have you surrendered? And then it says, have you been faithful? Because I want to suggest to you there's two different things. Yeah. He says, first, have you been faithful? Have you been faithful? Can you be faithful without surrendering? Can you surrender without being faithful? Hmm. And see, this is not just about adultery or cheating on your spouse. Yeah. yeah. Are you cheating with pornography? Are you cheating them out of time? Yeah. Are you cheating them out of some emotional vulnerability? Are you cheating them out of some thought of another person? Or are you cheating them out of some rewarding sex life? Uh, yeah. Because Malachi helps us to understand that there has to be a, a, a faithfulness and a, a surrendering to one another. Because that's what marriage is all about. I was thinking about this earlier. I said, you know, uh, God has brought us to this place and to this point of time, whoever we are, uh, for probably two reasons. He, he's brought us here. Uh, if we're single, he wants to make sure that we understand what relationships is all about so that when we get there, the thing, you know, uh, we won't have any issues, any problems uh, that we could not necessarily avoid knowing the truth. Because there are going to be some issues. There are going to be some problems. But when you know the truth of the thing, you're able to weather a thing. Ah, uh, yeah. See, me and my wife, we've been married 34 years, and I can't stand up here and say we've not had any issues. 
Now, we've had some issues. We've had some situations, but because we were faithful and because we were submitted, we knew how to weather the storm, and the storm has allowed us to last some 34 years. Yeah. So Malachi goes on to say, has not the one God made you? He says, you belong to him in body and spirit. He says, and what does the one God seek? He seeks godly offspring. Uh, really, Rich, really, 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 really shows us uh, uh, one thing specifically that God has called uh, husbands and wives to come together for is for godly offsprings. I mean, he tells them in the beginning to fill the earth. Uh, and then he goes on to say, so, so be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. He says, the man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Almighty. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. Ooh. Malachi says, this is what the Lord says. He says, God has given you the spouse of your youth. Bring it up to the day. He's given you the one that you've cried out for. Yeah, you know, Lord, I want to be married. I, I, I want a good spouse. I want a good husband. You, you made that petition. You cried out to God on that behalf of what you wanted him to do for you. You said that. <laughs> Uh, and he says, because you said that, he said, I want you to be faithful. Uh, see, because during this time, we have to understand the culture of what was going on. That, that during this time, understand, it was ultimately the men that were divorcing their wives. Yeah. And they would divorce their wives for any old thing. You know, Bishop always said, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you burn the biscuits and, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, yeah, we threw. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't prepare a meal and, you know, hey, I'm done with you. Uh, or, or you're not doing this or you're not doing that. Uh, uh, no, no, let, let, let's sign the paper because I'm through with you. So they were doing it for any and every reason. Yeah, they were taking lightly the covenant marriage. Does that sound familiar? Because truth of the matter is that we're living in a day and time where people are taking marriage lightly. <laughs> See, divorce is not God's design. God never intended man to divorce. He, he intended the, the marriage vow to be holy, the relationship to be holy for man and woman to walk together yeah but what are we to do with something that has become so everyday so stylish so trendy yeah so 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 standard that we have television shows about divorce yeah, we, we have professional journalists who uh, uh, dedicate their time to keeping us updated on the latest divorces. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what if the trouble with marriage has nothing to do with the institution 
but everything to do with those who treat it cheaply. Hmm. I mean, if you're married, are you, uh, are you estimating the value of your relationship well? Are you estimating the value? How valuable is that relationship to you? Hmm, how valuable. Or have we uh, succumbed to the trends and the fashions and the culture that has convinced us that marriage is overrated and not worth what God's word says it's worth? Be careful when we allow the culture to dictate how valuable marriage is. Be careful when you allow those around you to dictate how valuable your relationship is uh, when they don't even have one. Be, be careful. Yeah. According to the CDC, while divorce rates in America are dropping slightly or has dropping slightly over the last 20 years, marriage rates in the U.S. have almost cut in half since 2000. In other words, people are, not, uh, people are getting married less now than they did before. And we have to ask the question when we hear these statistics is why? Why is this happening? Can I suggest that people don't value marriage like they used to? Yeah, the value of marriage seems to be near an all-time low. And this is even when it comes to Christian marriages. I mean, you would think that we that know God, that we that know his word, would treat marriage in a different facet than the world. But can I suggest that the world's value has crept into the house of God? Mm. Yeah. It appears that Christian marriages have showcased something that is boring and poorly made. And an ugly design to model your life after in the areas of starting family, having sex, and being content. Researchers, researchers have said that 41% of all first marriages end in divorce. Yeah, we shouted earlier. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit. Is that Okay. It says that 60% of second marriage end in divorce. 73% of all third marriages end in divorce. This is statistical information that has been gathered. This means, look, look at this. This means that every 42 seconds, there's one divorce in America. That equates to 86 divorces per hour, 2,046 divorces per day, 14,364 divorces per week, and 746,971 divorces a year. Mm. Sounds like a lot. Yeah, they say this is because the lack of commitment 
is the most common reason given by divorced couples. Lack of commitment. Yeah, let me pause right here and talk to singles, that if you're dating somebody and they're showing lack of commitment, it probably means that when you marry them, they're going to still be showing a lack of commitment. So it behooves you to get that stuff straight first before you stand before the altar and say, I do. <laughs> oh. I mean, while dumping marriage may feel like a modern trend, the text is showing us and trying to let us know that even back in Jesus' day, there, there were people who were crying out for an answer to this sometimes problematic partnership between a husband and a wife. Yeah, we see this New Testament. I, I read the old, but uh, some people say, you know, uh, uh, you know, the old is the old. But let me bring you to the new. Is that okay? We, we see this in Matthew's gospel. Matthew tells us something. We, we see here that uh, these people, these Pharisees have come to Jesus. And the reason that they've come to Jesus is because they're trying to trick Jesus. John has already been uh, persecuted. John has given his uh, thought on relationship and thought on marriage and because of some of his views it caused people to see him in a different light and ultimately his life is taken and they want to do the same thing to Jesus. So they bring Jesus this question. It says some Pharisees came to him to test him. They said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife or any, for any reason? Is it lawful? Can we do it? Uh, I, I mean, she's not uh, making good breakfast. Can, uh, can, 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 can I divorce her? She's not making up the bed. She, she, she's not fulfilling my needs. Can, can I divorce her? Uh, and here is Jesus. Jesus says, haven't you read? <laughs> he said, don't you know from the beginning? You're a Pharisee. A Pharisee knows the word of God. A Pharisee practices the word of God. He says, don't you know? In other words, why are you coming to me with this when you already know? It's amazing how we come to Jesus with stuff we already know the answer to. He says, haven't you read? And he replied that at the beginning of the uh, beginning, the creator uh, made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Uh, See, because God intended marriage to be permanent, permanent. But what happened? Uh, flesh. Yeah, that sinful nature. That sinful nature, understand, made divorce inevitable. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it brought sin to humanity. 
And Paul picks it up and said that there's no good thing found in my flesh. That when I go to do evil, when I go to do good, evil is also present with me. So it, it is the sinful nature of man that Moses had to make a decree, had to establish a law that divorce is okay. Hmm. And can I tell you that he did it really to protect the women? Because in those days, if a woman was divorced, she had no support. And if a woman was divorced and she was set aside, you know, probably other men would not want to have her. So he does this. He makes this law to facilitate our flesh. See, because the truth of the matter is, is that instead of wanting a divorce and looking for things to, to get a divorce, we ought to be looking for things to help keep the marriage together. <laughs> See, Jesus believes marriage is, a fas is as fashionable today as it was the first day. He's the same today, yesterday, today, and forevermore. He doesn't change. He doesn't waver in his decisions. He created ma marriage for a reason and for a purpose. And God has not wavered in any form or fashion, but we have shifted the needle. <laughs> uh, so Jesus believes it's still fashionable. What about you? Has cultural trends and fads convinced you that marriage is out of touch with modern sensibility? Do modern relationships need more flexibility and modern style? Yeah, because we always like to try to change stuff. Try to make it more fashionable so people can receive it, so that we can be embraced. Does marriage need to be a commitment with less oneness and more openness to escape and to explore or expire? Uh, <laughs> uh, see, the Pharisees go ahead, they push the needle with Jesus. They do like we do. They, 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 they push the needle in seven and uh, they, they say, why then, uh, they ask, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Jesus says this is not an institutional flaw. He says it's not about the institution of marriage. Uh, no, he says it's the heart. He said the heart of the issue is the heart of man. <laughs> because you know the Bible says out of the heart flow the issues of life. Uh, so, so, so he says it's a heart thing. Uh, he says your heart is the issue. And the fact that your heart is obstinate, it's, it's, it's stubborn, it's perverse, it's disobedient. He says it's a heart issue. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not the quality, not the design. But Jesus says it's the heart. And see our culture and personal problems with marriage it's not about how fashionable marriage is anymore, but it's about how we value marriage. 
what type of value do you put on it? If you're married, what type of value do you put on it? If you want to be married, what type of value do you put on it? Because if you don't put a high value on it, then you're going to get some low standards. <laughs> uh, I mean, I believe that we've all been duped because marriage is so much more valuable and beautiful and luxurious than any of us have ever dreamed it could be. But instead, many of us find ourselves thinking of it like a tired, bored shoe sitting on a dusty shelf. And I really don't need to be married. I can, <laughs> I can enjoy life like I am. Yeah. I'm amazed that Jesus' disciples even jump in in this conversation. After walking with Jesus, they, they jump in in verse 10. And it said, the disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and a wife, is it better not to marry? Yeah, they say, is, is it better to be single? Is it better to be playing the field? Is, is it better to be in four or five relationships and not be committed? <laughs> Here are Jesus' disciples. Now they're asking this question, and Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. Yeah. See, because marriage is not for everyone. And see, too many Christians are trying to shove a lustful infestation, a lustful infestation into a mold of marriage. Yeah. In other words, I don't want to bring my flesh up under subjection like God asks me to, commands me to. So instead of doing that, I know the Bible said it's better to marry than to burn. Yeah. But can I suggest to you that we have to have the right purpose and plan if we're going to pursue marriage? That it can't just be to fulfill my lustful desires. Because at some point in time, that desire is uh, it's going to decrease at some point in time. Whether it be because of physical issues, whether it be because of being overworked and just tired. Y'all ain't going to help me. Uh, uh, whether it be just because you're getting old, <laughs> older. Uh, because when, uh, when you were young, <laughs> I'll save that for Wednesday night, Wednesday night. <laughs> uh, but, but we got to be, we got to be careful. We, we have to be careful why we want to be married. We got to be careful how we shape our marriage. What's the pursuit of marriage? What's the purpose of marriage? Do I want to be married just because I need somebody to go half? Just because I'm tired of working and I want somebody else to pay the bills? My mama didn't teach me how to cook, so I just need somebody that can cook. Uh, yeah. See, not everybody is called to marriage. 
Singles, come here. Let me. Singles. Singles. Uh, the Bible talks about that there's a time and a season for all things. So in your time of singleness, you have to maximize where you are. I mean, in time of singleness, I, I mean, you ought to be single with no children or single with children. I, I, I mean, the, the pursuit should be to, uh, to better yourself. The pursuit should be uh, to, to, to make sure you, your money is right. The pursuit uh, should be to make sure your mind is right. Uh, uh, that should be the pursuit time and a season for all things. You got to maximize the season that you're in. Uh, because the Bible talks about, one translation has talked about marriage is, it, it's large. It's large. I mean, that's why uh, uh, the disciple said, he, he, he said, it, it might better to be that you be like me instead of being married because and the only reason he was saying that because marriage comes with a lot of weight. Amen. I mean, single, you can go in when you want to. You can come out when you want to. Uh, you can take off your clothes and leave them there. And don't have to worry about nobody saying anything about it. Uh, I, I, I mean, you can use the restroom and, 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 and don't have to worry about the, the, the seat being up and all this kind of stuff. I, 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 I mean, you, 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 you know, you, 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 you ain't got nobody clocking you. Uh, where you at? Uh, what you been doing? Y'all ain't going to help me. Uh, I, I mean, don't, that's the weight of marriage. That's the weight and responsibility of marriage. Uh, uh, the husband, I mean, I mean you, you got to make sure that the bills, you're the head. You got to make sure the bills are being paid. You, you, you got to make sure that nothing laps. You, uh, <laughs> I mean, because she's going to come to you. I mean, that's the weight of marriage. I uh, see, not everybody is ready for the weight of marriage. So if you're not ready for the wait, it's best to wait. Uh, but it also means that if marriage is not for you, um, that sex is not for you either. Uh, I know that's not popular. Yeah, I know it's not popular. But it's right. It's godly. And if we want God's blessings, we got to walk in the path that he lays. If you want God to bless a thing, if you want God to cover a thing, if you want God to prosper a thing, you got, you got to walk in the path that he lays, that, that God is not going to deviate any other way other than the path that he's laid because he's God. And he can't lie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that means, I mean, it's kind of like when you, when you buy a shoe, you don't buy just left shoe. In the box is the left and the right. And that's what marriage is. Marriage is the left and the right. Marriage is you get married, you get marriage and sex. <laughs> I ain't going, I ain't going. 
Uh, Wednesday night going to be good. Wednesday, Wednesday night. <laughs> Wednesday night going some stuff I, I can't say right now. I can't say right now. So in Paul's letter, uh, 10 minutes, in Paul's letter to the first century church in Ephesus, he challenges them to quit fooling around and decide for themselves what is the value of marriage. Right now. Right now. When you leave here, if whether you're married or not, I want you to go and put a value on marriage. Put a value on it. What does it really mean to you? See, because when, when tests and trials come, it's the value of the marriage that is going to make it last. Singles, when, 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 when you value a thing, it, it's the value of a thing that when you're tempted and when you're tried, that causes you to persevere in the midst of what you're going through. The value, I, I understand the value, the weight of it, the responsibility of it. Hmm. So he starts with a simple, Paul starts in Ephesians, he starts with a, a, a simple measurement. The size and the shape and style of the Savior he uses. Look at what Paul says to this Ephesian church when he's trying to weigh the value of marriage. The first thing he says in 21, he says, submit to one another out of the reverence of Christ. He says, the value of marriage should be that same value that you have in your relationship with God. He sets a high bar for us to line up with because all of us want a solidified relationship with God. All of us want a valuable, I, I want a valuable relationship with God. Uh, that when I call on God, he's right there. Uh, that, that, that if I need him, he'll never forsake me. That, that, that he's my covering, he's my protection, he's my shield because of that solidified relationship. He said marriage is likewise. You ought to measure it like you're measuring your relationship with God. And he says that you should submit to one another. Hmm. Submit. Hupotasso. Greek word. Uh, yeah. It means a, a, a voluntary attitude of giving in. Notice as a voluntary attitude of giving in. Giving in. It says cooperating. Assuming responsibility and carry and carry a burden. Really, this word is uh, uh, they, they use this in military military troops in a military fashion, kind of uh, like under the command of a leader. So it says that you should su submit to one another. Submit, give in to one another. So two things are critical. If you're single and you're thinking about marriage, if you're married, uh, uh, already married, two things are critical when it comes to marriage. And the first thing is, is buying into giving in. You got to buy in to giving in. What do you mean? Uh, see, far too many husbands and wives buy into giving up instead of giving in. 
when it gets difficult. <laughs> it's easy to give up, but it's hard to give in. Because, you know, I, I, I like my ways. You know, God made me like this and I'm not going to change. You know how we do. Uh, I've been like this all my life. But the truth of the matter is that we're talking about transformation in order to, to get to where God desires you to get to, especially when it comes to marriage, especially when it comes to relationship. It involves her transforming, so it involves changing. It involves changing, changing, uh, changing. That is simply not God's design for marriage is that we give up before we give in. I mean, anything that's worth value is worth fighting for. <laughs> it's worth fighting for. It's worth uh, giving all you got. <laughs> Exhausting yourself uh, because you realize the value of a thing. I mean, right now, if, 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 if somebody, uh, somebody gave you a suitcase full of, uh, full of money, somebody gave you a million dollars right now, how, would you, how, how, how valuable would you think that is? I mean, would you let, just let anybody handle the briefcase, suitcase? <laughs> Y'all ain't going to help me. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you, you make sure that it was in your eyesight, wouldn't you? Somebody would lock it to their wrist with a Because <laughs> you deem it valuable. Valuable. A new car, when you purchase it, you, you deem it valuable. You, you, you just don't let everybody ride in that thing. You know, they get in there with a bag of Bojangles. <laughs> You know, so, you know, you're going to have to wait till, you get, till we get to our destination. You know how it is. I, 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 I mean, and, and lo and behold, somebody that smokes gets in there. I mean, no, you got to hold that till you, you know. <laughs> uh, but you value that thing because you done put your heart on money. You know how much you paid for it. You know how much it's going to cost to, to replace it. So you, you put high value on that. So God is saying that in our relationships, we have to put high value on these relationships. And we can't let the world dictate the value. We can't uh, dictate the value based upon what others say. But what has God said about it? Because how I value it is how I'm going to treat it. Hmm. Yeah, how I value is how I'm going to treat it. Uh, I mean, look at what Paul says, tells us in the next few verses. He says, wives, submit yourselves. He says, wives, give in <laughs> to your own husband as you do the Lord. I love it when he says your own husband. He says your own husband. Because sometimes if we're not careful, we'll respect another man before we respect the one in our own house. 
uh, 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 yeah, I'm going. He said, for husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. I know that's not popular, but it's the word. It says, his body, for, for which he is the Savior. He says, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit or give in to their husband in everything. Now, come here, I'm going to give a disclaimer here. Because this does not justify physical, emotional, verbal, or sexual abuse. Let me put that caveat in there. Uh, because I, I don't believe that God or, ordains abuse. I don't believe that he would want me to stay in a place where I'm being beat down physically, emotionally, mentally. I, I don't believe that. Uh, so in giving in, understand this implies a mutual safety and satisfaction. The challenge is about consideration of your partner, not domination to them. So it's not about being dominant over somebody. Huh? But it's a willingness, submissiveness. Huh? So wives, are your husband's needs being considered? Wives, do you know your husband's needs? Because we're talking about submitting. The only way that you can submit to a thing is that you know that thing. <laughs> do you consider his wants? <laughs> I ain't gonna finish this. Do you consider his feelings? Do you consider his rest? Do you consider his peace? His desires. Is that part of your consideration? Because you should, because you're going to have to submit to those. And see, what I love about God is that he makes this thing equal. Because he doesn't put all that on the woman. He comes right back and says, men or husbands, this is what you should do. So husbands, do you, do you know your wife's needs? Huh. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and do her needs come before yours? Mm. Do her wants come before yours? Do her feelings come before yours? Do her rest or does her rest come before yours? Does her peace, does her desire? This thing is a balanced thing. God does not put the weight on one without putting the weight on the other one. Ah, God. I got to go. Second, second thing that is critical for couples is you got to buy into sharing into everything. I mean, this is what Moses writes in Genesis. This is what Jesus teaches in Matthew. This is what Paul writes in Ephesians. I mean, they, they all come back to the same thing. They all come back to this Ephesians 5 and 31 and 33 where it says, For this reason shall a man leave father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Uh, he says this is a profound mystery. Oh, I love that. He said, this is a profound mystery, how two people can become one. This is spiritual. Huh? This is something that cannot be perceived in the natural. 
He says, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. He says, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And his wife must respect, must respect her husband. So wives, and I'm done. Wives, are, are you one with your husband? Husbands, are you one with your wife? Because if not, maybe it's time to spend a little time together. Yeah, maybe it's time to sit down and talk. Because truth of the matter is, the culture tends to force us to be in a hurry. The culture tends to force us to go from one thing to the next without pausing, without enjoying, without breathing, without resting, without observing, without appreciating. Yeah. So maybe it's time to, to talk a little bit. Maybe it's time to go on a date. Yeah, y'all still know what that is, right? Maybe it's time to go on a date. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to not only go on a date, but kind of take maybe it's time to have some sex together. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Never thought you would hear Pastor preach from the pulpit that a sermon about. Oh, okay, okay. All right. I mean, if the world can tell you, truly in the house of God, we should be able to tell you and tell you, yeah, that's Wednesday night, how to do it right. But uh, Remember, everything else we hear and everything we see and everything else that's offering relationships in any other form, at any other price. Yeah. It's proof that it's fake. So there are a lot of fakes out here. But God wants us in real lasting relationships. Single, God wants you prepared for relationships. I mean, because in, in, in the Bible, they, they didn't necessarily date in the Bible. Marriages were arranged by parents. So they married on purpose. And that's how singles, you should date. You should date on purpose. The, let, let, let me, let, you should date on the purpose of getting married. Because that, that, that'll really keep you from having 10 and 15 experiences that's going to come back to haunt you. Yeah, it, they'll come back to haunt you. Because when you had 10 or 15 relationships, 15, 10 or 15 experiences, 10 or 15 sexual relationships, that when you get into the one that you really want, the enemy will bring that comparison back and you'll you have to fight that thing. Comparing them with John and Jimmy and Joe and Sue and Suella and, 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 and Felicia. 
I hope I know by the name in here. But uh, so God wants singles, He wants you to date on purpose. He wants you married on purpose. And see, when you're married on purpose, you can weather some stuff. You know that the enemy is coming. But because you won, because you locked in. I look at my wife. She said, I ain't going nowhere. She said, I ain't going nowhere either. Well, I guess we're in this thing together. And we can weather it. Can I say that we did not go to bed upset? I can't say that. I know that's what the Bible tells me I shouldn't. But I'm just being honest. I, I mean, I'm being real. Times when I just turned over and said, oh. I'm just being real. Times she did the same thing. I mean, you could drive a car through there. I mean, but, you know. At the end of the day, we know we were locked in this thing. We know we made a commitment and a vow. I don't want to see her hurt, just like she don't want to see me hurt. So we work at this thing. And marriage is work. It's work. And I believe that that's why God is giving us this word about relationship. Because in 2023, he wants to do some things in our lives. He wants to do some things in our marriages. Singles, he wants to do some things in your life. He wants to get you prepared for the man or uh, uh, for, for men, for, for the man, the husband. And then he wants to get the wife prepared for the man that he wants to put in your life. So this thing can be right. So that he can bless it and seal it. Glory to God. Anybody glad about that on today?